up, guys? Welcome to the Nixus Podcast. Today I'm joined with Carl and David from The Rods. What's up, guys? How are you? I'm good. good. How are you guys? Good to be here. Thanks for having us on. Good to have you guys here. Yeah. So, The Rods, tell me more about you guys. Where do you guys come from? What kind of music? What can we expect when we play? That's Uh. a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Well... We're definitely a heavy band, but uh, we're traditional uh, heavy metal band. So we've been together 40, 40 years. David and I have been together. Wow. So, you know, yeah, anybody. I'd say, you know, we're kind of more of like a classic metal hard. I mean, there's so many different genres of what they're calling metal nowadays, you know, but we come from an, uh, a time when, you know, the heavy metal was like Deep Purple, you know, Iron Maiden, that kind of thing where. Metal has like um, gone from that to so many different types of metal that um, I, I think that we're we should be classified as more of like a classic, you know, old school type of hard rock, you know, rock and roll heavy metal. You know, like you know, Motorhead was considered heavy metal too, but Motorhead, you know, Lemmy would get on stage and say, "We're Motorhead. We play rock and roll," which is rock and roll is a broad term, you know, so. Um, I think we're in that same category. Yeah. I think Sounds Magazine, when our first album came out, they com- they called us the American Motorhead, and we probably haven't varied too far from that. And the new album, to me, is uh, stays in that tradition. Kick-ass rock and roll, I'm getting told over here. All right. I'm into whoever wrote that. Um, <laughs> the Forest Canfield wrote that. Uh, what's up, Matt? What's up, Anger? See, my guys are here. Always here. Um, <laughs> um, it's nice to meet you guys. It's nice to get to listen to your music. Uh, as you were saying, there's so many subgenre right now with metal and rock. So you got your yeah. black metal, new metal. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many of it. Yeah. There you go. Matt says, let's just call it hard rock. That's good. Hard rock. <laughs> so, how did you guys get started in music? I mean, you guys have been together 40 years. So let's like go back and how did it all start? Well, well yeah, it started. Well, we, we David started bands yeah. and music, you know, when we were younger before this band, you know. So there's Carl has a story and and I have a story. So um, it all it all starts, and I think it's probably true with everybody. It starts when you're a kid, you know, when you're a teenager. You know, if you're interested in playing and playing an instrument and want to be in a band. You know that's where it starts. So I think if you ask anybody uh, that's in a band when they started, it's pretty when they were young. Right, and our paths crossed. David was in Elf with uh, his cousin Ronnie Dio, and uh, and I was in a band called Colacus. Well, the worst band names ever. Well, not the worst <laughs> band name ever, but you know, not the best name ever for a band. It was difficult to pronounce, but. Um, you know, our past crossed. We played shows. We opened, and and so David and I got to know each other. And so one day, that's what happened. We decided we were going to start a band. It was pretty organic. You know those famous words? Hey, you want to start a band? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Contour <laughs> in the house. Ronnie James Dio, probably one of my favorite singers ever. He says. Mine too. Mine too. He is my favorite. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys do in a band? Uh, I mean, 
who's the singer, who's the guitar player. Let's see if the people listening know who's who. Do you guys know who's who? Tony D said, just saw the Rods at the Chance Theater in New York. Amazing show. So there you go. Tony probably thank, sings. Thank you, Tony, for coming out. We appreciate that. We love yeah, playing definitely. the Chance. Definitely. So, well, David is a guitarist and vocalist, and I'm the drummer. And then we have your bassist that's not here right now. Yes, he may join us, but uh, yeah, Freddie Villano is our new bass player. Very cool, very cool. So what's the first instrument you guys played? Guitar, drums, was that your first instrument, or did you guys? Well, Clarinet, for me. I started out on trumpet, actually, when I was around seven. And then um, when I wanted, you know, I had a friend that played guitar, and, and he was a few years younger than I was, and... Um, we wanted to start a band, you know, and the Beatles were coming out and all the English invasion with all the bands coming over from England. And trumpet really didn't fit quite right in a rock band. So I thought I was, I decided to take up drumming. And um, my parents at the time rented a set of drums and we set them up in the garage and I started just playing drums and, um, and I eventually became a drummer in my, the first rock band I was in with, with my friend that played guitar. And then I uh, got to a point when Ronnie had asked me to join his band uh, as a rhythm guitar player. And I could play a little guitar only because my friend showed me how to play it. And then I became a guitar player after that. So that's what I stuck with the rest of my career as a musician. It's been beneficial that he started as a drummer because a lot of times he has great ideas and uh, for drum parts, and he also has drum ideas. You know, great. He'll he'll say, "Look, what about this?" And it's been great. And it's great to have that. You guys write the music all together? Pretty much write individually, but we both contribute. You know, sometimes I'll send David lyrics and he'll finish it. But most of the time, we'll write. I'll write my songs. He writes his songs. And, once in a great while, we collaborate musically. Mm -hmm. That's good. <clears throat> if you guys have any questions, um, go ahead and type them out, and we'll make sure to ask uh, Carl and David over here. Have you guys ever participated in anything that won you a prize, an award? I've never been in a competition. I don't think we've ever been in a battle of the bands, which is mm -hmm. basically a popularity contest. I was... I was awarded uh, three years ago, I think it was, three or four years ago, a Lifetime Achievement Award from Electric City Music Conference here in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area, which was a really great honor. But uh, for me, no. Anything other than that, no. Where do you guys find inspiration for your music? Um, I think the inspiration comes from other bands and other musicians. You know, um, you hear what they've done, and um, you kind of like it's not it's not a, it's not a sense of copying the music. It's just being inspired by um, what you're hearing. You know that other other people have done, whether it's bands or individuals or anything like that. I mean, I mean that's where my inspiration comes from, anyways. Yeah, mine mine comes from musicians I admired, music I loved growing up, and how that filters through every musician. You know, you learn it, you absorb it, and it comes out in your style. 
And of course, modern day musicians, when you hear what they're doing and you go, oh, that's a cool approach. And so it's just a, you know, it's just a flow of everything. You hear a song on the radio from when you were young and it was influential when you started playing and that gives you an idea for something. And you see a new band and you hear something from them and that gives you an idea to write something or play something a little differently. So for me, it's in the zeitgeist. It's everywhere and everywhere in the, in the air whenever I hear music. And uh, that's how I get my inspiration. That and, and really a lot of beer. No, I'm, kid, I'm, kid, I'm kidding. I don't drink. I was just being funny. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not that funny. But, but anyway, I think, I think um, you know you can be in. You know, I get inspired by, you know, sometimes by current events. You know what's going on in the world. You know, so you, you actually can um, be inspired by what's happening around you or in the world or in a different country. So you, you know, it inspires you to write something that's um, about that. You know. Matt said, yes, inspired by what you hear. Yeah. So if you could build your own lineup, like we're having a show this weekend, and you can build your own lineup, the Rods are playing with three other bands. Who are they? Um, for me, it probably would be if, you know, if I could bring <laughs> people back from the dead, you know, I would want, to, I would want it to be Ronnie Dio, you know. And... Um, Probably Jimi Hendrix <laughs> and uh, and Deep Purple and the original lineup, you know, with Richard Blackmore and Jeff Beck. I mean, these are all my favorite favorite people. I mean, um, it'd be an impossible thing to do, but you know, that would be the coolest thing. Well, that would be an incredible lineup for a show. I'd love to play drums behind Ronnie Dio, Jimi Hendrix, and. Uh... <laughs> there are a million great bass players out there, like Jack Cassidy, yeah. and so. But actually, with with Ronnie and, and Jimmy, I don't care who plays bass, as long as I'm playing drums. <laughs> um, how'd you guys come up with the rods for the band name? This is a never-ending story, question unresolved. It's one of those, uh, you know, unsolved, unsolved cases. Yeah, unsolved yep. cases. Cold. It's a cold case. You know, we have different versions of it. Our original bass player said, I don't know, what he had something. I just read that he, he had told someone. But uh, we were talking about cars one day, and I mean, I don't know. David probably has his own version, too. But my answer is, I don't really remember. Yeah, no, I, we probably had a lot of names on a piece of paper, and we threw a dart at it. And mm -hmm. it hit the name, the rod. So we said, okay. And plus, I think it was during a time when actually punk rock was starting out you know so it was kind of like a thrashy punky you know it was a name that covered a lot of different uh, i mean you can take it any way you wanted to really but absolutely i mean it's a cool name tony has a question for you guys why did they add vocalist Schmulik abigail on the heavier than thou album why did we, I didn't get the first one, why did we ask him? Why did you add him? As well, a why did we add? Well, I, I think it was, we were in, we were really not touring much at that time. And we were doing the album. And the songs were really, you know, really written for an, a strong voice. And I think, uh, 
as I recall, Shmulek was singing one of the songs, and David heard him, and he goes, wow, Shmulek's just singing the songs on the album. He sounds great, which he did. So, I mean, I think it was it was very organic. It was simple. We were all living in the same town. Shmulek was living with me at the time. We were all here, and uh, so it, was, it wasn't like we set out to find Shmulek Avigal or any other singer. It was just he was here. We were friends. And it just worked out, and that's that's how I remember it. David might remember it differently. Well, the, I think through the life of the Rods, you know, like there were two albums that were more like projects. You know, they weren't really Rods. You know, the Hollywood album and the Heavier Than Thou album were done. Uh, well, the Heavier Than Thou album was done after you know the fact that we weren't out there playing a lot. It was more like a just like a project and. The Hollywood album was also like a project where we brought in a, another singer that, you know, Carl and I had written songs that weren't really Rod style songs. You know, they were they were songs that were more, I, I hate to use the word commercial, but they were like, they weren't our style. So they, they needed to have a singer that could really sing the song in a different style. And, and those two albums to me were more like a, were projects that were done. Even though they were called Rod's albums, they weren't, weren't really traditional three-piece, you know, hard rock, um, the Rod's identity, but they were... Right, they were focused on songwriting, right. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> so, a play, uh, we place an evil curse on you guys. For the rest of your life, you can only listen to one song. One. I know, it's a rough question, everybody. That's that's an evil curse for musicians who have a million songs going through their head at any one time. One song? One song, forever. Wow. For me, it probably would be, and it is, it's an impossible, because somebody says, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite album? I mean, I, it's almost, it's an impossible thing to say, but for me, you know, it would definitely be a Dio song, one that Ronnie sang on, and when it would probably be a song like uh, Heaven and Hell or maybe even Stargazer, you know, like from, from the Rainbow Era uh, time because um, this, this is such great, <laughs> such great songs, you know. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's so hard to choose a Rod song. There's so many of them. They're all great. Oh, and one so of our songs. Yeah, so be, well, no, she just said one song. So I'm just trying to think that um, the only option would be the Rod. So I'm kidding. For me, it would be, it's a no, for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, since my daughter was young, In My Life was a song that was very important to me from the time I heard it when I was 12, 13. And uh, it's been the song that uh, my daughter, who's a singer and a music teacher, it's been our song for her whole life. And so that would be the song I would listen to. I love the song, and I could probably stand listening to it forever. So music runs in a family. Well, she's a real, she's an educated musician much more so than I am and she's <laughs> she can hear a note and just tell you what it is and then go to the piano and she can sing it and hit the note at the piano and it's perfect I can hit the note on the piano but never perfect not even close so when would you when would you say that your favorite time of the day to create would be like are you guys night owls or is your brain are you guys lucky and your brain is completely awake in the morning? Mine doesn't usually wake up till like 12 o'clock, so. Yeah, my, you know, for me, it's whenever the inspiration strikes, you know, it's always scrambled eggs in my brain, so you never know what time of day the omelet is going to be finished. 
it can come anytime, you know, and, and, and something you might not even think about um, could trigger it, you know, or you may have something that you're working on or thinking about and all of a sudden, and you may be struggling to come up with, oh, I need the right part or the right words or the right lines, but all of a sudden when, you, when you're least expecting it, um, something triggers it and all of a sudden it's right there. So anything could really, you know, be an inspiration, even a dream, you know, uh, something mm -hmm. that you dreamt it was so you know crazy that you know that it would really inspire um inspire you to, to come up with what you're what you're looking for at the time you know and for me a lot of times when i'm in the shower my eyes are closed because i'm either shaving in the shower and or whatever and uh and also so i don't want to see myself naked so i keep my eyes closed <laughs> but uh but i get a lot of i for some reason, because I guess I'm isolated, I have no visual stimuli, and so I just, things will pop into my head and I'm able to develop them. So that is definitely one of the times when I'm, I'm coming up with ideas or working on lyrics or some rhythmic idea, so. Uh, the Forest um, wants to know, uh, can Carl talk about Carmine's influence? Well, Carmine Apathy was, a hero of mine long before I got to take lessons from Carmine. So I was a huge fan from the first time I saw him when I really first just started playing drums on Ed Sullivan. Carmine was wailing on the drums and I was in awe of what he was doing. So I was a big Vanilla Fudge fan and I didn't, I didn't love, in all honesty, I didn't love all of the Vanilla, vanilla Fudge songs, but I loved everything he played on drums. And then Cactus was a huge band, Beck Bogart and Apathy. And then when I got to take lessons from him, um, it just changed my life because he was such a great teacher. He would say, that's wrong, but cool, it's cool, so keep it. And he would say, you know, let's try this and let's try it another way and taught me to read and just was a very kind and patient guy, which gave me a lot of, not just as a drummer, but a lot of insight here's somebody who to me was a superstar and he was very kind very cool and uh took his time and made me realize that just because you're a big star doesn't mean you have to be a big asshole i don't know if i can say asshole but i just said it and uh, so you know to be kind to people and i think like, like ronnie dio always comes to mind because ronnie dio People tell me to this day, Ronnie remembered my name. I hadn't seen him, met him once, and two years later he remembered my name. But Ronnie was a superstar, and he was very kind to the fans. And I know there are a lot of people who aren't, and so we all hear about that person. We've come across those people, but um, I've never been impressed with those people. But Carmine was the first superstar or star who was down-to-earth and kind and patient and showed me that you don't have to be that way, you know? You can be talented, you can be successful, you can be world known worldwide, and you don't have to be a jerk. Absolutely, it's nice to see when big stars, when people that made it, they're successful, they're humble, they're still person people, they'll talk to you, like you said, they'll remember your name, they'll remember at least your face. Mm -hmm. it, it's nice to see. And yes, we don't talk about those people n enough, I think um, everybody gets caught up in the negativity of social media and everybody's like, well, I met this person and he was really a douche. Okay, but you know, this person is really awesome. 
So guys, let's take a break and listen to the first song we have um, from the Rods, which is Brotherhood of Metal. All right. Hey, you guys. Um, I got I to gotta check out because I got to be somewhere at 730. So, Melanie, I want to thank you for, you know, for having us on here. This is awesome. And no even problem. though I'm not in a more comfortable position, I'm in my car sitting behind the wheel, but um, it was great that you had us. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for being with us, and you have a good night. I'll keep yeah, talking to Carl. You too. So you're, you're sticking me with Melanie, huh? Thanks. You are. Hey, that's not a bad thing to be talking about, okay? <laughs> I'll see you guys. All right. You. See you later. Bye-bye.
was Brotherhood of Metal from The Rods. Oh, there we go. We got the drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to play along. So that comes from your album, right? That's um, from the new live album, Live at Rose Hall. It was, that was our bass player's first real gig, first full gig. That, 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 that bass line there at one point is really, really, really good. <laughs> Mm -hmm, Being faithful with the baseline, yes. <laughs> uh, we have a question. We had a question just as we started. Tony wants to ask, who came up with the Let Them Eat Metal album cover? Did it help or hurt the band? Well, that's those are two questions, and they're both good. Um, you know, I came up with the title, Let Them Eat Metal, and... Uh, Sherry was my good friend, and uh, she was David's friend as well. Actually, David's friend before mine. But at the time, we were very close, and Sherry and I, and I just had the suggestion about the cover. And I said, but, you know, I was kind of tossing it out as a joke. And, and uh, she said, I said, somebody had like a silver vibrator, and she said, I have a gold one. So, of course, my friend Sherry would have a gold one. And uh, so... That was how it came about. It was kind of a joke, and uh, she was willing to go to the photographer and and have the photo taken. And it's a funny story because the gentleman was retiring, and who had the photo studio, and so she said it was a little awkward because he was very old, and she was there scantily clad, and uh, but you know she was also an, I think a bit of an exhibitionist, and she was fine with it, but. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it was on Phil Donahue. It was on as the PMRC. Um, you know, the, the album cover was whatever it was. It's kind of spinal tappy, like sniff the glove, smell the glove. And so it was on Phil Donahue as uh, one of the offensive albums and the cover. So I don't know that it hurt. Here it is, guys. So I don't know. Not seeing, just type it up on Google. It will come up. For the people watching right now, here it is. This is the cover we're talking about. This is the album. So. I don't know that it hurt the band. I know I hear from a lot of people who come to shows said that, you know, I was a teenager and I had to buy that album because of the cover. I didn't even care about the music. I bought it because of the cover. So, you know, I think if I were a 13-year-old boy and I might buy that cover, buy that album myself, even not knowing what the music was. But so I don't know if it, if it really hurt us. By that point in our career, we'd had several albums out. People who knew the rods knew what to expect for music. So I don't think it hurt us. But... Uh, I also don't know that it helped us, but all these years later, we're still talking about it. So that's what I was gonna say. I mean, we're still talking about it. When was when was this released? In nineteen eighty three, eighty four. I don't know. I have to Google it. Eighty five. Twenty three. We're still talking about it. Right. it. I mean, it helped you guys. I guess. Like, yes, you're right. Yeah. It might have helped for some people and not helped for other people, but I mean, the hell with them. Right, it's the PMRC, I don't even know. I think that came and went, so. It's rock yeah. and roll. I mean, you yeah. got to expect a, a little bit of controversy, I guess. You know. I agree. <laughs> so, what are the coming plans? I know we have, how you guys have live shows coming up soon? We do. We have, well, the first show is this coming Wednesday at Sharky's Event Center in Liverpool, New York. And... It's Wild Wednesday, and we have five bands on the bill with us. And uh, we have Crazy Neighbors opening the show, and we have Adam and the Metal Hawks. And for people who don't know Adam and the Metal Hawks, 
look them up. They're an upcoming band, fantastic, and uh, check them out. I produced their Christmas song this uh, past year, and um, they're just so talented. I loved working with them. It was one of the, I think I had the most fun doing a session, one of the the top ten fun sessions of as a producer doing that song. And but they're really talented. They're really fun. Adam was number eleven on American Idol. He didn't make the top ten, but he made number eleven, which is really impressive. But he's a great entertainer, has a phenomenal voice, and the, everybody in the band, super super talented guys, and they work as a unit. So Adam and the Metal Hawks are worth seeing, and you're going to hear more of them, um, I'm sure. And then the Rods will be on. And then the band Love Bone is on, and that is uh, Roy Coston and uh, uh, Ian, and I can't remember the bass player's name, but uh, Roy and Love Bone have been together for a long time. And Roy is the father to the drummer in Wicked, the band that goes on next. And if you haven't seen Wicked, they're really keeping rock alive. They are like Angel and Kiss rolled into one really great-looking, youthful package. Simple, straight-ahead rock songs that you... You, you catch them right away and you just love them. They're a very, very talented band and a really great live show. Very energetic and, and uh, really well rehearsed. So that's the lineup for Sharkies. And then on Friday, we're playing at Strawberry Fest in Owego, New York. And that'll be a fun show. I'm excited about that. And then on Saturday, we're playing at Finnegan's in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And uh, that's near where I live. So I'm hoping a lot of my friends will come out. Not that I have any friends, but... People who I pretend are my friends, I'm going to try to force them to come out. But I'm looking forward to to doing the show at Scranton because there'll be people, that I, my friends, that I haven't seen in a while. So those are the, some of the dates we have coming up. Very cool. If we follow you on social media, you guys have Facebook, you guys have Instagram. We do. We have it all. And uh, you can you can check out therods.com. You can go to uh, Carl Kennedy Facebook. I have couple of Facebook pages. You can go to the Rod's official fan page and uh, see everything there. And of course, Instagram, Carl Kennedy, the Rod's and uh, Twitter. But does anybody use Twitter anymore? I don't know. But uh, you can find us. You can find us. Uh, so uh, so make sure there. you follow them. That way you'll get to know about the all the live shows that they're doing, any updates. Yes, yeah, so we have many more coming through you know, through the year. England, Belgium. Talk about other albums and bands that he's produced. I'm sorry. The uh, Forest wants to know: uh, Can talk, can Carl talk about other albums and bands he produced? I can. Yes. Um, I mean, I produced the first three Anthrax records, "Spreading the Disease." Um, the first was uh, "Fistful of Metal," "Armed and Dangerous," and "Spreading the Disease." Overkill, Feel the Fire, Feel the Fire, Blue Cheer, The Beast is Back, T.T. Um, Quick, first EP for those guys, which T.T. Quick should have blown up and been a huge band for anybody who's a T.T. Quick fan. I'm sure they feel the same way. Uh, I'm trying to think, just so many Brett Forrester, so many Jack Starr, so many, I produced over 40, I think 44, 46 albums I've produced and played on. So it's been a lot of material over a lot of years, and uh, so, and maybe maybe uh, <laughs> the, the people calling in know some of the albums they'd like me to talk about, but uh, it's been a lot of albums. That's uh, that's impressive. I mean, that's that's a lot of music in a lifetime. 
you can, as you see on the, my wall, that's just all albums I've produced, performed on. That is amazing. I mean, to, to, to the listeners, because this will be on streaming platforms, um, you guys, if you want, like, go on my Facebook, find the interview, and you'll see the wall behind it. It's, it's impressive. It's covered. I see just a tiny bit of blue spots in between <laughs> CDs, but uh, that's a lot of music. I have a pile on the floor. I have no room on the walls. I'm taking things down to put up the, uh, the new albums and things. Tony D says, would love to hear more about T.T. Quick. T.T. Quick, when they came in, they were, I remember Glenn from Nuclear Assault was the drummer. They had a lot of talent in the band. And uh, so when they came in and we started, you know, working on material, it was evident. And I'm really happy for Mark because he's a sweet guy and uh, really getting his due as a singer. But Mark should have had his due as a singer years and years ago. My opinion, as I said, T.T. Quick should have blown up and been a huge band uh, from day one. But Mark was incredible. Uh, Dave DiPietro was a phenomenal guitarist and still is a phenomenal guitarist. Uh, he's got a great tone, a great style of playing, a great vibrato. Um, and, you know, of course, Glenn went on to Nuclear Assault, so we all know what a phenomenal drummer Glenn is. And uh, we know what Mark is knocking it out of the park every night with Accept. Uh, best thing could have happened to accept and, uh, and I hope the band realizes that that he brought them back from kind of a kind of a flat spot in their career and uh, so TT quick they were a fun group to work with they were you know again when you're working with a band and you have ideas for an arrangement or you're looking for a sp specific energy and a take and so on if you have everybody's dialed in and working in the same page and they have trust it goes really well and quickly, and that's how those guys work. It was a, it was a really nice and, and a nice atmosphere to record and produce those guys. That's that's always nice when you can feel that everybody, you know, it's it's like magic. It just happens. There's right, and and that's exactly right. And that's when it, when the magic happens. You know, when people have big egos and they're you know kind of pushing and pulling and not locked in everybody on the same page trying to get to the same place at the same time when that ego when those egos kind of rear their ugly head it really slows things down and it makes it hard to get that magic sure are you guys planning any artistic collaborations um i have a new project with john hahn and mike santosiero who the singer in my in the Kennedy project I did, which was actually a band, not any not my project, but um, and that album is great reviews and it's one of my favorite projects I've ever done. But um, we have a new project with a bass player I cannot mention at the moment, and uh, you know I'm really excited. We have a lot of good material. Some of the songs are already recorded, and uh, I think it's going to be a really project I'm proud of. And of course, the Rods. We have a new we have a new label, and we have a new studio album that's pretty much three quarters of the way finished. And we are uh, we're thrilled. We're going to be doing a three song video in the next few weeks. So excited about that! It's very exciting. Oh, and by the way, the title is super super secret right now, guys. It's a super. It's a secret. 
Um, can't tell the the record label will announce it shortly, but we're supposed to keep it hush hush. There you go. Keep an eye on that page, and once it's announced, you guys are gonna know. But that's that's exciting. Three quarters of the way. I mean, you're right there. You're you know. Yeah, we're close. Congratulations on the record label. Yes, thank you. It's not not easy to actually get a record label that pays money and supports and video and all that i mean it's just impossible these days so so we're really excited about the label it's always nice when somebody wants to do something you know like it and it's not all about the money and all about the the that they actually want to help the artists they actually want to it's nice to see those labels we we hear a lot about how artists get burnt by labels but right you know it's nice when a label shows support with their checkbook that ain't that the truth. <laughs> ain't mm -hmm. that the truth? Mm -hmm. Most of the times they want you to pay them to. That's right. It's mm -hmm. nothing says we have faith in you like they wrote a check. Absolutely, James says that's amazing. Congrats. The force says can't wait to hear the new stuff. Tony, Tony said, wasn't Michael Sanzero member of the Rods too? During COVID or right before COVID. When Gary Bordenero re retired from the band, when he left, we, we were really unsure about what direction to go. And so we wanted Freddie, but we waited a long time. We wasted a lot of time um, waiting to hoping that Gary would change his mind. And uh, of course, COVID was in full swing. Thank you, COVID, for totally shutting down the world for a while. And so Mike came in and Mike... Mike and David got along well, and Mike was, he was really in sync with David and David's songwriting and his singing, and so they were, they were great, and they, Mike was, would have been a phenomenal singer frontman for the Rods, but it wouldn't have been the same Rods as we've had live for 40 years, and so as time went on and COVID went on and we were writing songs, it was clear that David was the voice, and that David should be the frontman and continue to be the frontman, and you know, it's a shame and that Mike isn't, but on the other hand, this is the Rods that David and I have known for 40 years. And with Mike, it would have been a new band, and, and so much so that we talked about perhaps we should, instead of calling it the Rods, just make it a whole new project and bring in a keyboard player and go in a more deep purple kind of direction as opposed to trying to continue with the Rods. So, you know, it was a confusing thing for us, but we all agreed, Michael included, that it was the best to carry on with David as the front man. And, and it was absolutely the right decision. Once we got that first gig under our belt with Freddie, it was no stopping us. We are asked, what label are you guys with? Again, it's a complete secret. I actually, it's even more secret than the documents Trump took from the White House. Ooh, and and, and hid in his bathroom or wherever at Mar-a-Lago. It's totally secret. But the record company will announce soon enough. And uh, so it, it's pretty cool. We know we know some stuff is coming out for you guys. So it's it's exciting yes. to even though we don't have the details, you know, um, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll make sure yeah. to share. We'll make sure to share when everything happens for you guys. It's like for heavy metal Christmas. You're waiting. You're waiting, but you can't open the presents until Santa brings them on Christmas Eve. Come on, Santa. 
<laughs> we want to know. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people want to know. A lot of well, there's people here in the comments now that want to know. <laughs> and hopefully once it's released, a lot of people will know. And I'm excited about it. I will say this. It is a, it's a raw Rods album. And when I say raw, Freddie brings this gritty sound to the band, just like uh, Bob Daisley did. And, uh, you know, it, it's just that raw but gritty bass. And it's something we haven't really had. And so he and Freddie and I are so tight now. We work out parts together. And it's the, the album is like a, I guess the only way I can really describe it is Motorhead meets ACDC anthemic but really in your face, but very raw and powerful, like the way we are live, only it's more polished because we're in the studio. Yes. But it's that same energy, and uh, I'm excited about it. And, you know, every band goes, that's the best album we've ever made. But I'm not saying that because the fans would have to decide that. But for me, it's a, it's a great follow-up to Brotherhood of Metal, and it's also uh, something I'm really proud of, to, moving forward with Freddie in a new a new day for the rods and it's a you know for me it's a good day tony says freddie rules absolutely agree i'm a fan so this question is this question is very like to you it's not a band related question but for you carl what is success what, what would you define success as? well that you know that's a great great question I think success for me is everything I've done. You know, when I was, uh, when I started taking lessons from Carmine, Carmine, there was a student in front of me. I would come in from Boston. I was there with this band, Kalakis, which, by the way, has a new album just about to be released, all new material. In 44 years, we 44 years ago, we did our first album, and now Kalakis is soon releasing the second album, like the longest... We should get an award from Guinness Book of Records because longest, I think, even longer than Ray Davies, who got the award for time in between the second, first and second album. But for me, it's uh, like people would ask me about Manowar when I chose not to stay with Manowar. When I was at the sort of the genesis of the band and with the band when they got signed to EMI. And I love the band and, you know, I, but I knew it was as a song as a songwriter and i knew it wasn't going to be right for me even though the music i knew they were going to be a mega band which they are so people ask me you know do you regret leaving man of war you know like they were they're so much more successful than the rods and you regret it i've never regretted it for a minute i don't begrudge any of my friends who've had great success i think that my career has been everything i've wanted it to be and I probably would have liked to have gone to the bank a little more often uh, for the big money things, you know, like we all would. But I, I'm really, to me, that's success. And I've, and I've never, I'm just, I'm going to announce it here on this, but I'm just finishing a book. And, uh, but the reason I did the book, and I'd had to do a lot of interviews, and a lot of interviewers would say to me, you have to write a book. You have so many stories of so many bands you've worked with and so on. And, so I was approached by an editor who asked me, you know, let's do this together. You can voice dictate and I will transcribe it. And Dr. Phil, his name is Phil Harrington. And Phil is the one who, you know, I said, okay, I'll actually do the book. And now we're done. Just have a few little additions I have to embellish upon. But I did it in, 
my own word. I've recorded everything. And what made me do it was for my daughter. I thought, you know, I'll leave my whole entire life and all my musical career, as well as my early years, my childhood and so on. And it'll all be in my voice. And so we've saved it all. And uh, for me, that was success. Now, if I, if I don't sell one book, I, it's a win for me because I've left it for my daughter. So I judge success a little differently maybe than somebody else might. But for me, my career has been successful. I'm still playing. I'm 70 and I'm still playing at a level that I'm really happy. I mean, I'm not the best drummer in the world, but I'm playing. My physicality is still really impressive to me, not to anybody else, but to me, that I'm still able to play what's in my brain and get it out on my drums without limitation. So that's success for me. So, you know, that's that's what I consider success, and I'm, I'm comfortable with it, happy and proud of it. You should be. You should be. I mean, you kept your body and your mind young just by keeping with music, just by, uh, I've been doing research. We started a, a magazine and I was doing a reading and doing an article about music, music with the brain and music and how music affects the brain and, and it's keeping us young. Like mm -hmm. it's making music and thinking and, and doing, and it, it, everything is keeping us younger. Our brains yeah. are, you know. Yeah, I have something to get up for every day. Exactly. Tony says, I will buy that one book. And D4 says, me too. Better print more than one. See, you at least have two cells right here. God bless you guys. I appreciate that. Now I, know, I can feel better about having the, the book out. I'll have two sales and that'll, be, sure you'll that'll have, be huge for me. I'm sure you'll have more than two. Um, I mean, I'm even curious now. Uh, you might have that third cell for me. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how many other bands you've worked with, who you've worked with. Uh, your, your stories are very captivating. You, you have a way to, to tell them that we want to know. Uh, here you go. Anger Overdose says make it four. So at least four copies. Wow. I love it. I'm glad I said something. I was... I didn't know when I was ever going to say that, say anything about the book, so I'm glad I, I did it. Thanks for the support, everybody. It would be a pleasure to learn about your timeline. See, it's, it's you have experience, you have knowledge, and knowledge in this business and life is power. Um, I agree. Everybody is looking for knowledge. And uh, I certainly have a lot of knowledge because after a while you learn by the music business is just full of really evil people. And so after a while, you know, you can only get screwed so many different ways before you go, well, let's not do that again. That wasn't fun. And so you, you learn by that. And it's not always a fun learning experience, but it's a learning experience nonetheless. It absolutely is. Let's take a, let's take a little break and enjoy your second song that we have which is Louder Than Loud. I'm still from their live album. We're, we're, we're waiting for the next album to come out. And then we'll play more of their music on our show. But for now, let's listen to Louder Than Loud.
song. I love I, I love the sound. Like you guys have uh, such an like you guys were saying, more rock, more, you know, metal rock sound something. Mm -hmm. You know. What's up guys? Let they perish in the house, Rob Volkov. What's up guys? Um, I like the sound. It reminds me oh. of of hanging out with my dad and you know listening to his music growing old school old school metal yeah exactly exactly if you would have an advice for us uh, who are still uh, trying to break through the walls of this um, crazy crazy metal music just music in general what's the best advice you can give to other starting musicians well, if you're starting, my thing is, and you hear this from other people who've been in the business, it's music business and it's two things. One is music and the other is business. You need to study the business. It's changing, it's changing all the time. Uh, we have ancillary income streams and it's pennies, but you need them all because there's just no one stream that can... And then when we first started, it was a record label. My goal was get us on a major label, which we did, because there was no indie anything. So it was bottlenecked, and if you didn't get signed to a major label, you were never getting your music out there. So that's gone away. So now everybody can get their music out. So if you go to McDonald's, somebody will give you a thumb drive with their album on it. Everybody has it. So now the problem is learning how to place it, everywhere so that you can generate the pennies that the industry gives us now and how to build a fan base how to rise above the noise there's so much music coming out every day how does a new band rise above that and you rise above it by doing everything and you have to learn the business and you have to learn how to do a lot of it yourself because you can't hire a company to do your website for three thousand dollars and maintain it for $500 a month and a publicist is going to charge you four grand for a three or four month campaign. You can't afford it. So you need to learn the business and you need to learn how to protect yourself and never give away your publishing or your copyrights. Never, ever, ever. I don't license anything that doesn't revert back to me. If you notice with the Rods catalog, it's been licensed now and it's out in a fantastic manner. And a great pressing is great quality, but I try to control all of that, and I've controlled it from day one. It all comes back to us, and uh, and we are able to relicense it. I never sign anything in perpetuity, and uh, I did one deal, and even though it was nothing that I really cared to keep forever, I wasn't concerned they paid us well. I did one deal. I still cry about it, and that's nothing, but I never... Um, I never give anything away in perpetuity. I ask for the shortest possible term for it to revert to us. So control your music. And, and the other biggest piece of advice, and I've done projects with like Colacus album I spoke of. That's like a poor man's hollow notes. When I say poor man's hollow notes, it's a hollow notes type blue eyed soul kind of record. I don't mean to denigrate the, the product. It's a great album. I'm proud of it. But like the rods, when we started, you can listen to the first album and you can listen to Live at Rose Hall and you can listen to the very new album with the title mm, and we're true we've been true to ourselves the entire time for the most part. We had a couple little sidesteps with 
couple things, but that's just, those are growing pains. But in general, we've been true to ourselves the entire time. We didn't try to change for the times. And I think that's important as musicians. If you have a band and you have a sound, stay with that. Just keep developing what you're doing. It doesn't mean you can't try different things, but just stay with what you believe in because at the end of the day, if you, you don't become hugely successful and you say, well, you know, 20 years later, you go, well, let me play this for my friends or for my children or my grandchildren or whomever, you want to put it on and go, well, that was the best we could do at the time. We put our hearts and souls into it. And we, we really didn't dumb it down and we weren't chasing somebody else's style of music. We did our own thing. And so you can be proud of that when you put it on. So if you start trying to change or follow the trend, when you put it on 20 years from now, you're going to go, yeah, we were trying to be somebody we weren't. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Be true to yourself because down the road, you're going to look back and your 40-year-old self is going to look back at what your 20-year-old self did and go, we missed it, you know? So stay true to yourself so you can look back and go, wow, that 20-year-old self really had it together and stay, you know, they, we were really on track and we believed in ourselves and we didn't, we didn't change for anybody. We just forged ahead with our music the way we felt it should be heard. It's very good advice. Very, very good advice. Um, I agree. You got to stay true to who you are. Sorry for my dog barking. Um, you're must Wait, be we might be we might be hearing my daughter's bark dog barking soon too. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's very sound advice. We have to be true to yourself for sure. Don't change for the industry. Don't change for a signed deal because looking back. Are you really going to be happy? You know, like, exactly. Uh, right. Or said, you have to play Crank It Up. I was a young man when I heard that on Primal 45, and wow, been a fan ever since. God bless you. Uh, Tony and, uh, says, is the band selling signed copies of their new live album? It sounds amazing. We are. I mean, we're not charging to sign it. We're, but if you order a CD and you request that we sign it, we sign it. That's amazing. Oh, I love Freddy. Hi, Freddy. Hello. Freddy's here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the infamous Freddy Villano. We've been talking about you, Freddy, and now I'm sorry I said some of the things I did. You're here. <laughs> oh, I know. My ears were ringing. <laughs> and the, oh, I could be the notorious Freddy Villano, too, not just the infamous. <laughs> oh, the well, notorious. I like it. We're, we, we've listened to what Brotherhood of Metal, Louder Than Loud. Um, we've been talking about you guys' show, uh, the show's coming up, and uh, we've been here for an hour. Um, Carl is giving us advice, but they Parish says that they love that advice, by the way. Um, oh, well, I'm glad. <laughs> Freddie, you got anything to say to everybody watching right now? What do you want to know? I don't know. How is it to be the bassist for the Rods? It's heaven. Um, I get to play with two of probably the most legendary musicians of this particular genre. Uh, Carl and Dave, you know, their resumes speak for themselves. And... Um, you know, we just seem to gel really effortlessly. So, um, you know, the music is in my wheelhouse. 
in terms of being a bass player and what I've played throughout most of my life. Um, you know, I did for the last 10 years playing a bunch of cover bands and do a bunch of different projects here and there. But, you know, this style of music is what I grew up on. Um, bass players like Steve Harris and Geezer Butler. So, you know, I really feel at home, not just musically, but just really from the way that Carl and Dave have embraced me and welcomed me into the fold and, um, you know, treated me. And, you know, they've made me feel like uh, an equal member right from the get-go, you know, not like I was just the new guy or something like that. So it's been great. I tell everybody, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in my ultimate happy place. <laughs> so. You know, it's, I mean, that's how we feel. And uh, it was a seamless transition. And uh, like I pointed out earlier that it, it's a new day for the rods. And, you know, it's a really good day for the rods. And we all get along well. Musically, we're tight. And uh, Freddie's a great bass player, but it's more than just that. He's a really good guy and he's great on stage. He, and off stage, we all have fun. We're just, it's, it's a good mix. And, and our tour manager pointed out when somebody asked her, what's it, you know, what's it like having Freddie in the band? And she said, you know how when you have two old cats at home and then you get a kitten? <laughs> <laughs> so Freddie's the kitten and David and I are the two old cats and uh, they've been, it, him joining the band has energized both of us. I jump on them, I nip at their heels, you know, it keeps them, it keeps them on their toes. Right. There you go, there you go. See, I was, I, there you go. I was thinking music was keeping Carl young, but it's Freddie. It's Freddie. Chasing, Carl, chasing me around the house. And, uh, we're rolling in catnip. <laughs> but music does keep you young, I will say that. It's, it's actually, uh, you know, somebody said to me recently that... Um, well, it was my cousin, actually. I posted something on Facebook, and my cousin said she read an article somewhere about heavy metal music um, being uh, a way to help alleviate depression and uh, just, you know, contribute to an overall sense of well-being. And I, <laughs> I said jokingly to her, but also somewhat truthfully, that maybe that's why I'm so happy, you know? <laughs> Uh, if there's any truth actually, to that study. When I hear some of the bands play, it actually depresses me when they're phenomenal <laughs> musicians. <laughs> I get a little depressed. I go, oh, I'm not going to play that. I mean, you, you can't compare. You can't compare yourself to other people. Come on. The rods. No. Like, I mean, you're, the wall, the, just the wall behind you guys, I'm, I'm still impressed with the wall. It speaks volumes. Um, I, I try to remind myself when I go on stage that just do what we do. Don't try to impress anybody. Do what, do what the band does, what the band does well, what we've rehearsed and what we believe in. And that's it. Don't try to like do anything stupid or try to impress anybody. Just do a thing. And that works for me. It keeps me in a calm place. And I'm not trying to like, oh, my God, there are drummers out there who are phenomenally fast and do so many more BPMs. Uh, beats per minute than I can play. I don't think I don't think about that. I just go and do my thing. So yeah, it makes me I'm happy and content with what we do. That's what you got to do. Tony says, Freddie, do you stick to Gary's original bass lines or do you Freddieize them? <laughs> well, Freddieize you know, them. I love that. Yeah. Freddieize. 
Um, you know, when I first started playing with the rods, I learned, you know, I did my wood shedding at home. So I learned stuff from uh, the records, you know, I, but everything's on the Internet now. So I actually, you know, I turned on Spotify or YouTube or whatever and found whatever songs I needed to find there. So, you know, I do learn Gary's parts, but the reality is, is that only gets you so far in terms of arrangement and knowing the song, because once you're in a live environment um, and you're actually interacting with the other musicians, there's just other things at play that allow your own individual individuality to come out, you know? So, uh, you know, I try to honor the past, but also be actively present with what's going on in the moment. Um, so if that means I Freddyize them, then, you know, it's just really responding in the moment to what Dave and Carl are playing at any given time. Right. And that's, that's a really good point. And also that we have made a lot of changes in rehearsal because Freddie and I play really well together. And so he'll have an idea, I'll have an idea and we just work it out. So we've added so many little parts that maybe the audience doesn't really know have been, they don't know that it's, these parts have been added, but they'll feel it in the power that the band is giving off. Yeah, they might not, they might not consciously be aware of it, but subconsciously it's going to move them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I was grooving to those bass lines during, while we were listening to, to, to the music. Uh, I mean, I think it's important for you to bring your own little aspect to the bass, um, because then if you don't, we kind of miss you, we miss your your energy, you know, like, so you, you kind of have to put your own little twist on it to, to make it a, well, make it. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, the bottom line is I'm not Gary and Gary's not me, you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there, it's just by that fact alone, there's going to be something different, you know? Right. So. Absolutely. You know, and I, and, you know, having said that, you know, Gary, I've known for a long time, uh, you know, and I'm, I've been a big fan of Craig Gruber, you know, Steve Starmer played on the first record. So there's, you know, there's a legacy of bass players in the rods, all of whom I admire, you know, so it's not, um, I think I said to Steve Starmer one time that I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind, you know, that, uh, but I do, I do want to say, who's the one who said Freddie Eyes? Who said that? Uh, Tony. Tony. Tony, that's a great, I'm, going to, I'm glad you coined that because we're going to use that from now on, Freddy Eyes, that bass part. <laughs> Even the new bass parts have to be Freddy Eyes. Yeah, okay. I got to Freddy Eyes my own parts. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best piece of advice another musician gave you? Oh, the best piece of advice another musician has given me. Well, indire indirectly, I would say, I don't know about another musician, but I keep this quote around uh, in a journal of mine that was, I read years ago, it was Val Kilmer of all people. Uh, and he was talking about his experience working on big Hollywood movies and uh, all of the um, pressure that comes along with that. And, uh, you know, he said something to the, I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase, but he said something to the effect that like as a creative person, you have to learn how to grow and evolve and be creative in less than ideal circumstances, which is most of the time. 
you know, and so what my takeaway from that is that you can't wait for the stars to align to do what you love to do. You have to work against all of the obstacles that life throws at you and try to pursue your craft and your passion and do that work despite those obstacles, uh, which is very challenging sometimes. But, you know, I mean, that that's, there's that's not well going to be there. There's not going to be a perfect moment to make the next Rods record. There's not going to be a perfect moment to, you know, paint a picture or write a book or do whatever. You just have to follow your, you know, love and passion and creativity and try to, you know, balance whatever it is life is throwing at you and continue to move forward despite those, um, you know, whether they're obstacles or detours or, you know, so, I don't know. That's always stayed with me. Yeah, I like that a lot. For me, I had, there have been a couple. And one I, one was my English teacher from high school. He and I became friends. And so he would come and hang out. In fact, he got married and he used to bring his family on Sunday every now and then. And they would come down and it was a drive, you know, 25, 30 minutes driving with the kids. And they'd have me play a drum solo for the kids. The girls loved it. They'd go crazy, you know, and it was... So, but he and I were friends, and I remember him, he was lying on my couch like this, hands behind his head, and I said, I was 19, and I said, you know, I really want to be a musician, I want to pursue being a musician, that's, that's all I want to do. And he said, and there were simple words, he just said, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you do it 100% and go for it. And I was like, and it was like the permission I needed to become a musician. And uh, I thank him on every album because it, it seems when you repeat it, it's it's like, well, yeah, that's just common sense and that's nothing. But it was a, a profound statement that I needed to hear at that time. And the other thing was basically what you were saying, Freddie, and that was that, uh, and it was Madonna who said it. And I'm not a Madonna fan. I'll say that outright. I think she's not. <laughs> doesn't seem like a very nice person. But I mean, she had some great hits and great shows and blah, 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 successful. But some of the things I just don't think as a person, I think she's very nice. But that's, I don't know her, so I could be way off. But what she said was that what you were saying for the ideal conditions, said a lot of times when you have a breakthrough or some success, it comes with something that isn't good, something that's a tragedy in your life or a challenge in your life, a struggle. So you're really high on one side because this is going so well. But then the counterbalance is now something isn't that good and you're having to deal with that at the same time. And you have to learn to not let it taint. You have to work through both, which is basically what you were saying, Val Kilmer was saying. Yeah. And uh, that, that was profound for me because I had experienced that type of thing myself. And I thought, well, then. so once I heard that and I started realizing that a lot of times it's exactly what happens. Something good happens, and then there'll be something along that might detract for a little bit from it, and you have to make sure you keep them separate. And uh, so I think that's an important thing to learn, because otherwise you're going to get sidetracked and derailed, and you don't want that to happen. For sure, for sure. Well, we're close to the end of the episode. Uh, so do you guys have anything you want to say to your fans, to the people that were here tonight with us? I know Tony and DeForest... We're here all night asking you guys questions. I had my usual Nix's supporters. I'm I mean, blessed. 
I want to give those guys a hug. So God bless you guys for hanging in with us. I always say. And yeah, Freddie thanks for being can, here. Yeah. And Freddie can wrap it on and what he may want to say. But I always say, and I love meeting fans. I've made a lot of friends uh, by meeting them, and they've become friends. So when you come to a gig, come and say hi. You know, there's always a way to get to us. We don't isolate. And I, and I promise you that I'll try not to be a jackass if you say hi to me. You know, I really like meeting people. <laughs> I've had I've had people be jackasses to me who were famous that we've been opening for and try to say hi, and they've treated me very poorly. But uh, I don't do that to people or try not to. So come and say hi. I love meeting everybody who's coming to see us. I appreciate them. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add that, you know, we just came back from Chicago and we played Legions of Metal. And... You know, just the experience of having an audience full of people who know every word to every song really uh, energizes us. And, you know, there's no, for a musician when you're on stage, you know, it's, it's not only just about performing for the audience, but it's about the energy that we receive from the audience and how that really makes us want to play better and write better songs and just, you know, so that energy is really reciprocal. You know, and it's what keeps us doing what we're doing. So, you know, the more, you know, if, if you see that we're playing, please come out and see us, you know, come and say hello. We'll take the time to sign whatever, you know, I see Dave and Carl, you know, sign everything that everybody brings, you know, from the band's history. You know, so it's your opportunity to really have um, a great experience and it's a reciprocal one too. It's not just a one-way street. So we really appreciate it. If you guys ever come in the South, I'm going to make sure to catch a show. Absolutely. It'll be great to see you. And I have to, yeah. and I have to thank you. Thank you for the support. And uh, when we first started this interview, I was like, oh, you know, typical interview. But now I feel like I don't have to go to therapy tomorrow. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's always important. That's yes, that's always important. Uh, I try. I try not to make it too cookie cutter, and you know, I, I like to go with the flow. I like to do it live, also, because then we have your fans coming in, and it gets a little more personal. Because then the questions—it's it's really coming from your fans. You know, it's yeah. coming. God, God bless those guys for weighing in. It was really yeah, nice cool. to have. Absolutely. So before we go, guys, I have one question that I make sure to ask at the end of every episode. We call it the Nixus question. Um, if you would have a chance to go back in the past and sit with young Freddie and young Carl at any age, what would you tell yourself? And there's no, there's no bad answers. There's no bad answers. Buy Apple stock. <laughs> that, that's what we were talking about earlier making more trips to the bank by oh, Apple that's right that's we're a best. really great question Fred go ahead I'll, yeah, I'm still thinking yeah it's you know it's it's hard it would be hard for younger Freddie to hear this but I would say you know it kind of goes back to something you were talking about earlier about comparing yourself to other people that you know I wish as a younger musician I didn't compare myself to my heroes for such a long period of time. If I had embraced just being myself at the younger age, 
you know, maybe I would have matured into the player that I am now sooner, but I don't know, you know, it's hard, you know, when I think you sort of also have to go through that stuff as a young person, but, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I guess I would tell myself, stop trying to be like John Paul Jones, just be yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. It is. And for me, I would say, um, there's so many things I would tell myself, but um, I, I think I was always, I always say this, that I was too stupid to know that I couldn't do what I was doing. You know, I was too stupid to know that I was probably not qualified to be a producer, but as it turned out, because I have a, a, <laughs> a, a, a knack for arranging and, you know, trying to get things down and trying to learn, you know, engineering. So, I don't know, I guess I would tell myself to... Uh, not be a jerk, I guess. That would be the biggest thing for me. Just be kind. Be kind to people. There you go, guys. Here you have it. Uh, Tony, thank you. Tony says, awesome interview. Uh, will this podcast be available online to watch later? You can watch it on um, my Facebook page, Melanie Nix, and it will be released on streaming platforms around July... I don't remember the date, but I will announce it um, after we edit, well, Nami, Matt, that has been here with us since the beginning is my audio engineer. So he will work his magic, make us sound all pretty, and, you know, no interruptions with the dogs barking and everything. Good job, brother. Make me sound smart. <laughs> but they will be released on uh, major streaming platforms where we have... Uh, previous episodes right now of the Nixus podcast. Before cool. we go, guys, uh, I want to thank you for being with me here tonight uh, on a Friday night. Um, Freddie, thank you for taking some time to jump in at the end of the interview like that so we could at least meet yeah. you and get to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry I was late, but thank you. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. Friday night. It's, it's always a hit <laughs> or miss. Always a hit or miss. Uh, thank yeah. to the audience. Seriously, guys. Uh, these live interviews would not be the same without you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for showing an interest. And make sure you follow The Rods on all major streaming platforms and add them to your playlist. Uh, it's incredible how adding a band to your playlist can be so helpful to the band to get streams. Absolutely. The more you can do. And also, don't forget merch. If you guys have merch available... Uh, go grab some merch right now. I'm going to plug in real quick. I am wearing Death Pigeon, another amazing band. Um, thank you so much, Death Pigeon, for the merch and for the love and support all the time. Uh, so, guys, this was the Melanie Nix, Nix's podcast. Um, thank you very much, and we'll catch you guys Friday. Cool. Thanks, Melanie. Great to Thanks, you. Melanie. Yeah, thank pleasure, you. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you.